Welcome to Beijing's Daily News. Today is the 31st of October 2022. We'll be covering Vitalik's take on crypto regulations, fashion NFTs, comparison between ZK EVMs, and a post-merge review for Ethereum. Let's get to it. On October the 30th, Vitalik Buterin shared his latest thoughts on Twitter. Here are his main points. Actually, here's my moderate take on mixes and privacies that I already gave in on the Coinbase podcast two months ago. Maybe another controversial take of mine is that I don't think we should be enthusiastically pursuing large institutional capital at full speed. I'm actually kind of happy a lot of the ETFs are getting delayed. The ecosystem needs time to mature before we even get more attention. Basically, especially at this time, regulation that leaves crypto space free to act internally but makes it harder for crypto projects to reach the mainstream is much less bad than regulation that intrudes on how crypto works internally. The KYC on DeFi front-end idea does not seem very pointful to me. It would annoy users but do nothing against hackers. Hackers write custom code to interact with contracts already. Exchanges are clearly a much more sensible place to do the KYC, and that's happening already. Basically, there are two main classes for regulatory policy goals. One, consumer protection. Two, in making it harder for baddies to move large amounts of money around. The issues around two are concentrated not in DeFi, but in large-scale crypto payments in general. Regulations on DeFi front-ends that could be more helpful may include 1. Limits on leverage 2. Requiring transparency about what audits, FV, or other security checks were done on contract code 3. Usage gated by knowledge-based tests in sort of plutocratic net worth minimum rules Also, I would love to see rules written in such a way that requirements can be satisfied by zero-knowledge proofs as much as possible. ZKP offers a lot of new opportunities to satisfy regulatory policy goals and preserve privacy at the same time, and we should take advantage of this. On October the 28th, researcher at Delphi Digital, Ten shared his view on crypto fashion NFTs on Twitter. Here are his main points. Fashion NFTs are about to explode. Fashion is the largest B2C e-commerce market today. Much of shopping behavior has migrated online since the COVID-19 pandemic. Revenue in the global fashion e-commerce market will hit roughly $1 trillion in 2022. Fashion NFTs are set to capture a portion of the spending behavior. Our digital identities will only become more important in the future. Fashion is a critical part of our digital identity, allowing us to express our individuality and values. Could digital garments one day supersede the market for physical clothing? I believe so. Digital garments unlock an entirely new creative world. They do not need to obey the laws of physics and are only limited by the artist's imagination. Gen Z gets this. Fortnite games generated $5.8 billion in revenue in 2021, of which a significant portion comes from skin purchases. Many Web3 fashion brands and startups have arisen. They usually focus either on 1. Digital, 2. 100% digital fashion, or 3. Marketplace and discovery. New brands are agile, able to innovate and adapt quickly versus traditional fashion brands. By leaning into NFTs to nurture their superfans, a Web3 brand can build an engaged community of fans that continuously buy their drops. That's all it takes to have a sustainable business. Communities can influence brand storytelling and participate in the brand's upside. Digital fashion allows designers to explore their best creative outputs without limitation. AR and VR enhances the user experience which you can't do with purely physical garments. No physical store is required, reducing barriers to entry. NFTs are perfectly positioned to ride out the big megatrends in fashion. Besides digital fashion, 
NFTs can be used to create new customer experiences and loyalty programs, establish new revenue generating businesses, and building communities and nurturing fan ambassadors. On October the 27th, 50 Finney published an article titled ZK EVMs, Scaling the Ethereum Blockchain, comparing different ZK EVMs on Ethereum. Here are the main points of the article. ZK EVMs combine the concept of ZK rollups and EVMs. Thus, ZK EVMs allow for the development of decentralized apps maximizing privacy while the Ethereum virtual machine to process transactions and execute smart contracts. There are different schools of thoughts regarding the execution of ZK EVMs. However, Vitalik Buterin, the creator of Ethereum, has popularized a classification of ZK EVMs. Let's examine these classifications as put forward by Vitalik. Type 1 ZK EVM These type of ZK EVMs are also referred to as fully Ethereum equivalent. This is because the EVMs are fully equivalent to Ethereum and do not make any changes to the blockchain other than making it easier to generate proofs. Type 2 ZK EVM seeks to be exactly like the Ethereum virtual machine, but slightly different from the Ethereum equivalent. Type 2 ZK EVMs resemble the Ethereum blockchain except for the data structure and the state tree. Type 2.5 ZK EVMs are named so because they are very similar to the Type 2 ZK EVMs, except that they change gas costs. Hence, Type 2.5 ZK EVMs are sometimes referred to as EVM equivalent with modified gas costs. Type 3 ZK EVM Type 3 ZK EVMs vary from other forms in that there are hard limits on the number of times an operation can be called within the protocol. As a result, these type of ZK EVMs are sometimes referred to as almost EVM equivalent. Type 4 ZK EVM The implementation of such EVMs are by using smart contract code written in a high-level language like Solidity and Viper and compiling the code to be ZK snark friendly. Hence, they are referred to as a high-level language equivalent ZK EVMs. At the end, the author concludes, since the completion of the merge, we have seen a rise in scaling solutions to ensure that Ethereum remains the leading layer of choice for executing decentralized finance projects and other decentralized applications. Thus, we think this topic is critical for the success of Web3 in general. On October the 30th, Pintail published a note titled, Since the Merge, How Are Things Changing? in his personal blog to discuss the encrypted world after the merger. The following are the main points of the article. After analyzing multiple sets of mana data and on-chain data, Dolpha found that it is too early to make any definitive statements about post-merge validated rewards. A few points are worth drawing out, however. Execution layer rewards are lower than they have been during the year prior to the merge. This is most likely due to market conditions rather than the result of the merge itself. Rates of return for individual validators at this stage are extremely variable. This is because rewards are lumpy and have been more so with the inclusion of execution layer rewards for validators. Around 50% of all validators have yet to propose any blocks, resulting in an APR below 4% for those validators in the meantime. No obvious advantages were found for the big validator pools, but again, it is too soon to have enough data to be certain that this is the case. And for example, that validator pools are not engaging in malicious behavior to maximize their return. There has been a consistent trend for validators increasingly to outsource block building to third-party block builders, with the proportion of validators building their own blocks dropping by more than half during the six weeks where data were analyzed. Third-party block builders consistently outperform validators who build their own blocks. Initial data also indicates some variation in performance between builders. 
To continue hearing more, please subscribe to bishingventures.substack.com for daily newsletter and follow Twitter account bishingventures to hear the rest. This is Celine from Bishing Ventures. Thank you for listening and we will see you tomorrow.